I'm not afraid to say I'm wrong. Boy, was I ever. But let's talk about why UCLA's offense has gone dormant again and what caused it here on Locked On UCLA. Frustrating night. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, it's your favorite host. It's Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer with Locked On UCLA, diehard Bruins fan and D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And also just letting you know that this episode, this podcast is free wherever you get your podcast and it's available on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button, like, comment, and subscribe. You know, frustrating, again, for UCLA, considering, hey, yeah, did I put up that pod that said they would win? I did. I thought they would sweep in the regular season. And come to think of it, I completely forgot that the second half Bruins against USC, the curse of Galen Center for whatever reason under Mick Cronin, all exist. And that most importantly, a power outage for UCLA's offense came for the second straight meeting against USC. So let's go into the numbers and dive into what led to this collapse for the second straight time for UCLA against the Trojans and for their fourth loss this season. The final 74 77 to 64, just the third time UCLA has given up 70 or more points, they've lost them all. The Bruins turned it over more often than the Trojans did. That was the first time UCLA has turned it over more than their opponents have in a game this season. And while you have to applaud the effort for the Bruins this year, 21 games in, you'd have liked it not to come against USC in a game where they needed to take care of the basketball. So while UCLA normally goes through these outages, right? Even in the first half, what, four minutes plus scoring droughts again and again? It truly took, what, that flagrant foul and that intentional foul and Jalen Clark went up for the rebound for UCLA to even get on that run to get rolling and Singleton to get hot late at the end of the first half, I believe, what, three late straight made threes to put the Bruins up 37 to 25. It had me sitting there in my seat thinking all pretty. I'm smug. I was right. I was wrong. UCLA up by 12 at the half, almost a few weeks after they're up 18 points at the half against USC. And we thought that was a collapse. Yeah, the Bruins scored more points this time, except they allowed 50-plus points to USC in the second half. And one Boogie Ellis, who put up 30, 31 points, 27 of those coming in the second half. A lot of late free throws, but that's not to deny the fact that he was red hot. You had Trey White get a couple of buckets. You had Drew Peterson hit some big shots with nine points. They all were hitting big buckets for USC late. So can't deny the fact that SC got hot. But when you're up 12, even if SC is red hot and you're turning over the basketball and you just can't buy a shot, UCLA between Jalen Clark, Adem Bona, and Tiger Campbell went a combined 0 for 6 with five points, four free throws for Tiger Campbell. So when your MVP, when your top, when two of your top three scores are not scoring the basketball, when Campbell is turning it over, yeah, he did a four assists, but three turnovers in the second half. When Bona, who did have 7.7 rebounds in the whole game, had one point and two rebounds and two turnovers in the second half, that obviously means he wasn't a factor. And then UCLA didn't get the same amount of production from Singleton in the second half as he did in the first half, not to blame Singleton, but... He was hot in the first 20 minutes, and the Bruins couldn't make a shot 
in the second 20 minutes. So when your team is one, just ice cold. This is something that's happened multiple times. Eight minutes, I believe, what, against SC the first time. This time, they just couldn't make a shot, shooting under 30% for that entirety of the second half. Shades of what happened in that second half against Arizona on Saturday, and they struggled to score against Arizona State. It took a late run by the Bruins to win that game in three incredibly tough road games, all with packed, raucous environments. And UCLA got one of those wins, but for the second time this season, they got back-to-back losses. Again, diving in deep to the numbers, UCLA, eight turnovers to USC's two. Uncharacteristically, the Bruins, while they did have their normal cold stretch, they turned it over, and the Trojans made them pay. Kind of shades of that Illinois game when UCLA had 15 turnovers, couldn't handle the Illinois defense in that second half. When they overturned a 15-point deficit into a big win, UCLA with a 13-point second-half lead after that early singleton three. SC hit their free throws and then made the Bruins pay. On eight turnovers, UCLA, when they turned it over, led to 15 points off turnovers for USC. So it means almost every time UCLA turned it over, it led exclusively to a bucket. And you know when UCLA wasn't scoring to those three minutes, it's sometimes, all right, some teams can get a little cold on the other end too, like SC could have. No, they didn't. They got those turnovers and turned that into 17 fast break points. Normally 17 is a lot for a half, but SC scored 17 fast break points and ran on the Bruins. And that begs me to wonder, is UCLA playing too slow? Are they trying to play too much half-court offense and try to bounce pass it in to Jaquez, who's trying to take a force jumper, do 30 old-school moves, and while he's got good footwork, is that always going to work game in, game out, when they have the players that could run when they do their best, they're forcing turnovers, the Bruins are, turning defense into offense, getting out, lobbing up to Bona, who beats everybody down the court and jams at home in spectacular fashion. So one can wonder, that UCLA's outage is the fact that they don't go out and use their athleticism as much in transition. 17-2, to two, the Trojans outscored them in fast break points. And you can't say UCLA was shooting that much better in the first half. Well, yeah, let's take a look at the numbers real quick. 41% for the game, 35 So they weren't horrible in the first half. But you have to think UCLA had 10 second chance points to USC's one. So even though the Bruins shot a little bit better, not exactly the 50% marker that they had a lot of the non-conference season, but they shot a little bit better than they did in the first half, and SC wasn't hitting their shots, the Bruins hit the glass hard. In the second half, SC kept the rebounding numbers even, didn't let the Bruins hit the glass, and when they started missing, they didn't give UCLA second chances. The Bruins kind of got tight, turned it over. SC made them pay. And UCLA just kind of got stuffy. And let's not be wrong here. Let's not forget, despite the 13-point margin of victory for USC, the Bruins were within a bucket with about a couple of minutes to play. So it's a weird game to look at there. He lost by 13, but the 13-point win for SC kind of thinks that's how much USC dominated the second half. The Bruins scrapped and clawed, had their chance to make it competitive, but Boogie Ellis would follow by Drew Peterson, and then every other Trojan would hit a big bucket In the second half, it seemed like contested from 50 feet. From half court, it seemed like Steph Curry-like. But then again, when you're up 12 points, kind of give yourself a little wiggle room for Boogie Ellis to go put up 25, 27 points in the second half. But where did the offense go? Clark, three points, no field goals made this game. You had Singleton get hot early. Amari Bailey, who just, you know, came back. 
and you ask him to play 23 minutes? We went from not knowing if Bailey would play, not knowing how much he would play, to him playing more than half the game, and Jalen Clark playing just a little bit more than half the game, relying on Bona, who had a very quiet second half. Campbell's had a hot first half, but couldn't make a field goal in the second half. Hawkes was the only man who can get a bucket in the second half, and he was the one cold in the first half. So again, this was a team-wide issue. The only real Bruin who didn't see time on the floor that normally does was Dylan Andrews, and McCronin said he was dealing with illness, so he was unavailable. His numbers would have gone down with Amari Bailey back in the lineup. You could chalk it up. Bailey coming back maybe could have thrown the Bruins off rhythm, but Clark having such a rough night offensively. Last couple of days, last couple of games against Arizona and SC, you know, I believe they said during the broadcast on ESPN, during conference, his numbers have come down a little bit more to earth, closer to 10 points per game. And largely, because he gets steals, turns those into layups, and his hot shooting numbers, which have grown exponentially from year one to year two, and then year two into year three in his junior season for the Riverside native, that, you know, that maybe teams are figuring him out. And he's the core of what made UCLA successful. You can't overreact to this Jalen Clark individual performance, but up and down the line, someone has to really figure things out. That goes up to Mick Cronin, who you could see going largely berserk after the game when it came to berating the refs, earning the late technical, and just extending the last minute of that game for like 45 minutes for no reason whatsoever. A frustrating effort once again for the Bruins and just mind-boggling considering it's like they didn't learn any lesson from a few months, from a few weeks ago, which makes you wonder. What did they cost by losing this game, considering they had this lead by 12 at the half? What did they cost themselves by losing this? We'll tell you after we talk to you about FanDuel, who is the new official sportsbook partner, sports betting partner of Locked On. They're the number one sportsbook in America. We're really excited. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that makes betting on sports fun and easy. You can join today if you're a new customer, get $150 in free bets guaranteed. All you have to do is place your first $5 bet. Even if you win or you lose, you'll still get that money guaranteed. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Going from money line, point spreads, player props, even crazier, bigger payouts when it comes to same game parlays. All you got to know is it's on an app that's safe and secure, super easy to use. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet on any of the AFC NRC Championship games this weekend and just $150 free in free bets, win or lose on that first $5 bet you place at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, both the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and Locked On. Now we're rumbling on here with Locked On UCLA into segment two. What did the Bruins cost themselves by falling to USC? And again, a- after the the first game, I kind of thought to myself, what were the flaws that USC exposed? Well, they didn't have to use Josh Morgan and Vincent Iwuchukwu, who I thought could have had a bigger impact in this game. He's still returning from collapsing in practice in the summer. It was his fifth game back for the Trojans. The, the big man for SC didn't make that much of an impact. The Bruins got their rebounds. Morgan wasn't blocking shots left and right, and Iwuchukwu did more positive things scoring rebounding-wise in the first half in minimal gains. And the Bruins just couldn't do anything. That's just one more point to the first segment. Now transitioning, what did UCLA cost themselves? Well, before this USC game, the Bruins were two games ahead in the loss column of pretty much Utah, Arizona, 
and USC. Those are teams two through four. Utah's eight and three, Arizona's seven and three, and USC's seven and three. And with Arizona State hovering at six and four, Oregon is hovering at six and four. That is the top half of the Pac 12, in which all those teams are very much alive to win the regular season conference title and put themselves in a good position in the conference tournament to get that, you know, buy or extra buy into the tournament in Vegas and set themselves up for success for better seeding and a better path in the NCAA tournament. UCLA looked like on Bracketology, ESPN was kind of throwing out there, they could have flipped to a one seed with a quad one win at SC. Even with that Arizona loss on Saturday, they could have flipped it around with an SC team that desperately needed this game to earn their spot in the tournament because they're on the wrong side of the bubble, had some early losses to Florida Gulf Coast, scrapped to to Tennessee, I believe, lost to Wisconsin, a couple of close ones. And then, you know, like some Pac-12 teams had, ran into the wazoo buzzsaw that UCLA escaped earlier in the Pac-12 season. But SC has proven their quality opponent, and that win pretty much solidified their NCAA tournament candidacy. The loss for UCLA, it's rough in terms of now you're going from edge of a one seed, going down to a three seed, with still tough games to play, so you can shift anywhere based on quality wins from the one all the way to the four, depending on how crazy it goes. This is what UCLA has next and what they've cost themselves, potentially an easier path in the tournament and cruising to the regular season title on the one seed in the Pac-12 tournament and avoiding a tougher quarter or semifinal matchup in the Pac-12 tournament. So UCLA, this is what their next few weeks look like. Their next 10 games before the end of the regular season. Again, the Pac-12 plays 20 Pac-12 regular season games. They don't play everybody twice. They get to play Washington and Wazoo at home next week in that order. Go to Oregon State, Oregon, play Stanford and Cal. And what UCLA did last time was go on a run after all these crazy back-and-forth losses to Baylor and Illinois in similar-like fashions. They get five of their next six games are against teams who are in the bottom half of the Pac-12. And yes, you can say road games against Oregon State, you can't count that out. Oregon will be especially tough. And considering Wazoo is an upset always waiting to happen and losing at the buzzer if they don't, pretty much, after close losses to what Colorado and fighting Arizona to the end, you can't count Wazoo out. But still, UCLA has got five of their next six games against the bottom-tier opponents. But then you've got Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona. Dropping this USC game, it's one thing to have lost it. But it's another thing to have been up by such a big margin, have control of it, and just ice-cold shooting for the second straight game in the second half, and just completely collapse in terms of passing the ball, eight turnovers. And I've seen much worse basketball at the end of games, I can promise you. But yet UCLA, when you want to be a legit title contender, like I said, they can be, in earlier this week in a podcast a couple of days ago that I posted. This is where it can go wrong. When Clark goes cold, if the UCLA top three can't score, and then UCLA, even with Amari Bailey back, still cannot score with the Bailey putting up 11 points. The bench got some points scoring this time, but when the starters aren't all doing what they needed to do, it's just going to balance it out to blah instead of something that could be truly spectacular. So with Utah, Colorado, ASU, Arizona, they're all fighting for NCAA tournament bids or good seeding, depending on which team you're looking at, mostly between Utah 
and ASU battling. Colorado has weird wins and weird losses, but you can't truly count them out as a team that's already beaten down, beaten a Tennessee team. And at that Colorado game, that'll be extremely tough, considering how tough they played the Bruins in Pauley Pavilion. So UCLA's got the schedule to put themselves in good position moving forward. But they've also got the schedule where ah, they've got some truly tough games. You could go up to five to six tough, sneaky matchups for UCLA. And if they go three and three, then you're sitting in the tournament with seven losses. Kind of like last year with, oh, you thought they're a top 10 team, and then they lose a heartbreaker, lose a couple in a row, and then they had to fight through the Pac-12 tournament and then eventually buy out in the Sweet 16 with a good team losing to North Carolina last season. This is where McCronin could probably go to work, which is why I'll tell you as we transition into this third segment of Locked On UCLA, that UCLA, maybe this is what they needed. Mick Cronin seems to do his best work after the first two losses to Illinois and Baylor back in November. People forgot about the Bruins. Then all of a sudden, 13 wins in a row after a 3-2 and two start. You could argue about the competition, but just straight up beat up the Maryland ter- Terrapins. Beat up Kentucky. Well, can't say beat up, but they're controlling the game. Left them back in, and again, cold offense. And then eventually won that game by 10. Held on to beat USC and had been scrapping and clawing against some pretty tough teams in the Pac-12 early on, and then against a Utah and Colorado at home. So you could say, all right, they've got a week off. Bailey can rest. He was thrown into the fire. Jalen Clark can recover. They can try and get Dylan Andrews back in the fold as maybe a, a bench option to kind of figure things out, give Ka- Tiger Campbell some rest in a game. UCLA can bre- breathe, go over the film all weekend long. Mick Cronin can yell at them throughout all the hallways of the world and do what he does best, and play and fly under the radar with this Bruins team, where they can surge for the rest of the season. There are those six maybe sneaky matchups, which I'll say are Wazoo at home, at Oregon, and then you have at Utah, at Colorado, and ASU and Arizona at home. The USC regular season series is done, and Utah, Colorado, ASU, ASU, Arizona at home to end the regular season. That's not even including the Pac-12 tournament, which could throw you right in front of an, a USC for a third time, or is Arizona school for a third time, or dare I say Oregon for a third time, who is playing for their tournament lives in that Pac-12 tournament, which we've seen them do before in recent years under Dana Altman. UCLA, it could be, all right, as I said, five of those six games against the early part of that rest of the back half of this Pac-12 schedule. Easier opponents, they can get hot, they can get confident, and they can relax and refine that newfound burning fire that really rejuvenated themselves after they just played defense, hustled, and rebounded that. They did simple things to get all those wins following Illinois and Baylor and Vegas. And you have to remember, once again, UCLA is still unbeaten at home and hasn't lost with fans since before COVID. With actual fans in attendance, they have not lost since Cronin's first year before COVID. Can't speak to why they can't win in the Galen Center. Although, crazy crowd, awesome crowd. Great to see that environment. Last few games. Now the Bruins are tested. They're battle-tested. The only problem, one could say, is in these battle-tested games, UCLA hasn't won a lot of them. And yes, you can say Maryland, yeah, boom, Kentucky. They closed that one out. But I would say in the true battle-tested games, UCLA is now, what, two and four in those games I would say all four of the games UCLA's lost, they're fairly winnable. They could have won any of those games. 
the most close down to the wire finish in terms of score was the Baylor game. They controlled Illinois in the SC game and the Arizona game. That's just just a weird game in general out there in Tucson out in the McKillson. But they could have won all those games. They weren't blown out, but they haven't found ways to win games that they shouldn't. Like, say they went to, they were at SC last night. You could see them be within a bucket late, and they find a way to win that game. It would have been a horrible performance. It is a horrible performance, a straight awful performance. But yet they got to go back, look at what they need to do, execution in the last three to four minutes of games where they're close, and that's what UCLA needs to do to get some wins. You could say that Oregon game was close late. The Washington State game was a scrap. But against the teams that are playing or close to tournament, births at the moment at this very moment at the end of january heading into february where do those teams stand in terms of who can be ucla's who will be ucla's competition in terms of a pac-12 title an ncaa tournament berth well we're going to find all that out because i think this is the rest ucla needs to get a week and then the rest of the season it's two games here on out battling and preparing for the attrition of the back half of the Pac-12 schedule. McCronin says, yeah, we like to give our guys breaks, shorter practices. But again, they got to get back to executing. Maybe run more in transition. Figure out, is Bailey the guy in the starting lineup? Is it Singleton? I still believe it's Singleton. You bring Bailey off the bench. But just kind of figuring out whose minutes does that spell? Do they go small? And if Bona isn't doing much, you lose size in the post, yes, but do you just go with uber athleticism and a bunch of six five guys outside of Tiger Campbell? Those are all things Mick Cronin has to figure out and has the time to do so over the next little under a week now based on when I'm posting this to their next game against Washington. If they lose one next week, that is fairly concerning. I'm not sure that they will. It could be close, but if they lose against Washington and Wazoo heading into the Oregon games, that's fairly concerning in terms of a late January schedule. It's only going to get tougher when you go play in the meat of the Big Ten. It's only going to get tougher. Maybe you could say overrated, but all this nonsense, it's going to get tougher with travel and all that. You just played and couldn't handle an Arizona travel and USC road games all back-to-back within a week stretch. We'll find out for the Bruins moving forward. Can they run? Can they score? Can they stop turning it over? One of those things, uncharacteristic, the other things they kind of put on themselves. We'll find that out as we end Locked On UCLA today. Thanks for tuning in. Go make Locked On College Basketball your second listen. They're a good show. Andy Patton, Isaac Shea, the East host, host other Locked On shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Good host. Go tune into them. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in to all of Locked On UCLA. Hit that subscribe button. Thanks for the support. And again, I'll admit I was wrong. I thought the Bruins had it. And SC proved me wrong as UCLA collapsed again in the second half. They'll be better days. They'll beat the Trojans again. They'll win someday in the Galen Center again. I promise you. Rick Cronin, I believe, will get that win in the Galen Center. I hope. One day. Eventually. Just not this week. Or this season. We'll have to wait a whole nother season. In the meantime, get those hands up. I know you don't want to do it, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You. See. L.A. UCLA fight, fight, fight. We'll be back next week with Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.